Amen, amen. What's up, you guys? Okay. So it's that kind of crowd. Cool. We're going to have a great night. Awesome. How about we try again? What's up, you guys? That's much better. Praise God. That was going to be a really difficult evening if that's all we were going to do. So my name's Austin, as mentioned before. I am from Grace City Church in Charleston, South Carolina. But I want to share, yeah, give it up for Grace City if you're familiar. I know we got some, some people in the house that are familiar with us. Appreciate that. I want to tell you guys a little bit about me before I hop in. Uh, before I worked at Grace City, I grew up as a model, actor, singer, dancer. And I lived in New York and L.A., worked full-time in the entertainment industry, doing the things. And in 2014, I won Mrs. America, which was cool. And I got to, yeah, it was kind of cool. It's a thing I did one time and uh, got to travel all over the world, speaking and preaching and teaching. But something that I have never done before is been to an FCA event. So this is my first time, guys. I'm so glad to be here. I feel like this is like a new adventure and I get to go on it with you. Uh, another fun fact that you probably wouldn't even notice, except for I'm going to tell you, is that yesterday I had dental surgery, so half my face is swollen, and I can't smile. So on this side, I am 25-year-old Austin, and on this side, I am 37-year-old Austin. I cannot guarantee you which side that you will see, and if you smile at me, I won't smile back because half of my face won't go up. So just disregard that part. It'll get better in a couple of days. Praise God. All right, give it up for God healing the things. Amen, amen. All right, now that we got that under our, under our belt and out of the way, we're going to come back to a part of my story, but I just wanted you guys to know me a little bit, and I also just want you to know that identity, because of my life and because of my experience, has been something that's been really impactful for me. So today, as a, as a Bible teacher, I left L.A. Uh, in about 2005, and I moved to LA, uh, went to seminary, I mean, I moved to Texas, excuse me, went to seminary, was in seminary for some years, met a man, got married, had some kids, praise God, Whew. moved to Charleston, and, and now I'm at Grace City. Uh, but because of the entertainment industry and because I started when I was three uh, and still work in the entertainment industry today, my perspective on identity is, is a little bit different than most people's. And really, as a follower of Christ, I would say that my perspective on identity is one that I'm passionate about because I believe that healthy biblical identity is what set, sets the captives free. We talk a lot about Jesus and his work on the cross, his death and resurrection, and absolutely it is that death and, and resurrection that is the work that sets us free. But if we don't know how to live and abide in him, then we don't know how to live free. And we learn how to live free by having a clear and healthy understanding of identity. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, right? So I think when talking about identity, two of the most impactful questions that you can ask yourself is, number one, who does God say that he is? And number two, who does God say that we are? Now, typically, when we talk about identity, also, I would like for this to be an interactive activity, which means I might say stuff, and I expect for you to say stuff back, and if you don't... I'll wait. Okay? 
God. Okay. I'm not kidding. I really will wait. Okay. Uh, I don't know how to not be the way that I am. I just am the way that I am um, because identity. All right. So typically when people talk about identity, there are some words that people use when we talk about identity. Can y'all tell, give me some examples of identities that we talk about in the world? Huh? Teachers? Students? Parents? I don't know. Keep Musicians? Yes, so roles that we play. So it can be musicians, teachers, the work that we do. Mothers, fathers. What else? Servant. Firefighters. Thank you for your service. Amen. What about race? Is that an identity? People claim that. Sexuality. Y'all heard of that as an identity? Political beliefs. That's a good one. I have no idea what you said, but apparently it was funny. Good job. All right? Gender, male, female. These are all identities that, that we say when, when we talk about identity. But what I have come to, to understand about this scripture and about the way that God moves in the lives of his people are that when we ask ourselves those two most impactful questions, it kind of changes the way that we view all of those terms that we just used. Let me define my terms a little bit more. You see, when we have a clear understanding of who God says that he is, then we know God. We know the character of God. We know the work of God. We know the things that God has done. We know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because he is consistent in the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we can count on what he says as true because he's God. Right? That makes sense. But when we also ask ourselves that follow-up question, who does God say that I am, a lot of times we will immediately go to these kind of descriptors. I am a, a male or a female. I am black. I am white. I am Republican. I am Democrat. I am whatever it is that you decide to fill in the blank with. But here's what I would argue. I would argue that those things are not actually identity at all. I would say that those things are identifiers. And here's why. Because if God is who he says that he is, then who we are is only and exclusively who he says that we are. I want that to sizzle in your spirit for a minute. Why? Because a lot of times we can get really caught up with these identifiers and we can either pay too much attention to them and wave our flag saying, this is who I am. Or we can minimize it because we don't want people to know that about us. And either way, when we focus on that, we lose track of what is actually true, which is it's not actually about us. It's never been about us. It's never going to be about us. It's about him. It's always been about him. It's always going to be about him. This whole thing is for his name and his fame. This is about Jesus, his work, his death and resurrection, and what we get to do because of him. That's what it's actually about. But we would, because we're selfish, <laughs> bad news, we would rather focus on our identifiers 
here's the other thing. God made those identifiers, and they're not bad. They're not bad. They're good. That's why in Ephesians 2, when it talks about how Jesus tore down the, tearing, the, the dividing wall of hostility, thus making peace, and that was between two different races of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. That's good. That means God created this thing, this same God who we said that we believe who he says that he is, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is the same God that is the creator of the universe, who knitted us in our mother's womb, who numbered the hairs on our head, who fashioned us and then said, this is good. That's our God. And so if he's put these identifiers inside of us, it's not because they're bad. They're good. How do we know that they're good? Because he said that his creation was good and we are his creation. Not only are we his creation, but we're made in his image, which means that he gave us like this special thing in creation that none of the other creatures got. We got his image. So as we think about identity and identifiers, what's really important for us to understand is that our identity and our identifiers are both really important things. Our identity is primarily a vertical thing, and it's pretty much the same for all human people. It's the same for us. That we are children of the Most High God, that we are image bearers, that we are chosen, that we are redeemed, that Jesus died for us. These are the things that God says about who we are, that he did knit us in our mother's womb, that he took his time, that it was good, that he knew our name since before the beginning of time. All that's good. And what's more, identifiers are something that he created in order to help us identify with one another. You see, because God didn't make us to only have a relationship with him, he made us have a relationship with one another, and that's why he's like, love me and love others. So our identity, when it's real clear, we have a clear understanding of who God is, who God says that we are, and because we know who he is and who we, he says that we are, we can look at these identifiers and go, I identify with you. I see you as I see myself, and I can lift you up and bear burdens, and I can know you and celebrate who God has made you to be because I see you because I know him. You see, when we're clear about those two things, we treat one another differently. We can love our neighbors as we love ourselves because then we can know ourselves so we can better love our neighbors. It's real hard to love your neighbor as you love yourself if you don't love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, I would venture to say it's because you are missing an understanding or a representation of the character of your God. Our God knitted us in our mother's womb. He knows us intimately. He cares deeply for us. He looks at us and he says, mm, that one is to die for. And he didn't just say it, he did it. And then he was like, I love them so much. I'm going to raise from the dead so I can spend eternity with them. That's my kid. And that's our father. So what I want to do today is I want us to take some time, and I want us to go through a scripture and explore who God is and who God says that we are. 
And my hope is that by doing that with this one verse that you will leave here tonight and every time you go to the scripture, you will have a mind that goes, who is God saying that he is? Who is he showing us that he is? And then asking the question, how does he see me in and through this scripture? What does the character of God tell me about who he made me to be in this? So we're going to be in John 15, 16. If you would, please turn your Bibles there. I shall read it. It says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. For good measure, I'll read 17. It says, this is my command, love one another. Right? So, let's go back to these questions. The first question, who does God say he is in this? The first thing that God says about who he is, what we can take away in this scripture, is that Jesus is the one who chooses. In this particular scripture, Jesus is talking, and he is talking about how uh, he is the vine and how those who remain in him will grow and produce and bear fruit, and those who do not will fall away and they will not bear fruit. But Jesus is the one who chooses. It can be real easy to think that uh, we are the ones that are in charge, but again, it's not about us. Uh, Jesus is the one that chooses. And it's not that he just chooses to save some and he chooses not to save others. That's another theological conversation for another time. Praise God. But what it is about is that Jesus is doing a work where he is choosing to allow us to be people who go out in the world and have kingdom impact. He chooses to interact with us. He chooses to knit us in our mother's womb. He chooses to call us his own. He chooses to do all of those things, and when he's done, say that it is good. Not because people are are inherently good. I want you to hear me say, we need Jesus. We not inherently good, but I believe from the Genesis account that God intended his creation to be good, which is why at the end of creation, he says, and it was good. But you see, that pesky sin problem that we have keeps us from living into our intended purpose. But that doesn't mean that God didn't intend for us to be good. It just means that we fail sometimes, and that's why we need Jesus. We need him. But we get to bear this identity that says he chose us, and that is beautiful. We're chosen to be children of God, and it doesn't even matter if we choose to accept that he, we are who he says we are, because regardless, we are who God says that we are, regardless of whether or not we choose to believe it. Why? Because God is God, and what he says goes. So if we are who he says that we are, then it doesn't really matter if we go, yeah, yeah, I co-sign you, God. We just are. Sometimes we can go like, oh, well, this is just for believers. But that's why this whole image bearer thing is so important in how we actually interact with our neighbors, with people who do not believe as as we believe. It's because those people, too, are image bearers of God. They are who God says they are, even if they're not willing to walk it out, even if they're not willing to accept it. It doesn't change God, right? Right? 
But we like to act like it does, like, ah, this is a special thing that only we get. But what God says is true about his creation and whether or not people choose to believe what God says about them or not, people are still who God made them to be. They might need Jesus. They might need transformation. They might need a multitude of things, as we all do. But at the end of the day, they are still made by God and noted since before the beginning of time. And Jesus calls himself the chooser of people. Also, he says that uh, he is the one who appoints and positions. He calls us to be kingdom carriers so that wherever we go, the spirit of the living God allows us and empowers us to impact and affect change. Why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells us. That means that the comforter and power of the triune God is indwelling us and is saying, hey, I am in here, and because I am in here, if you let me, we can change things wherever we go, not because of who you are, but because of who I am in you. He appoints us and positions us to have kingdom impact. He's the one who commissions. It says, go. Go and bear fruit. That means that he has these expectations that if we are in him, then we can go and we can do stuff. In the name of Jesus, we can. And that's exciting because that means that he's got a plan for our lives, that he didn't just create us and then say, okay, do it, you know, it's whatever. I'm just going to throw some stuff together with that one. He didn't do that. He knew who we were. He knew what he desired for us to do, and then he positions us to do it. We also, from this scripture, can see that he's the one who leads to production, the production of fruit in our lives because of who he is and because of the Holy Spirit doing a good work inside of us, he causes us to bear fruit. It's nothing that we did that leads to us bearing fruit. Sometimes we can believe that if we work hard enough, that we are the ones that are responsible for the blessings that we get. We are the ones that are responsible for achieving the things that we achieve, but really, that's just a grace of God doing a good work in us because he promises to be who he says he is, and who he says he is is a God who will work all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. He is the one who chooses, who calls, who appoints, and the one who produces good fruit inside of us. And the last thing that we can see about God which is probably not the last thing, I'm sure there are others, is that he is the one who connects us with the Father. It says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give. That means we have, like, this special connection to God. Like, hey, God, you're going to hook me up? Yes, I am. Thanks, Jesus. That's pretty dope. I can be excited about that by myself. I'll take y'all's if you don't want it. That's okay. Right? Now, what does all that mean for who God says that we are? The first thing that it means is that we are chosen. We are the chosen ones, the children of God. So who God says that we are is chosen because he chose us. That makes me feel special. He says appointed, that we are the appointed ones Position to have kingdom impact. 
that who he has made us to be is something that can affect change in the lives of those around us. That's why he also commissions us, because knowing that he's appointed us and positioned us, that means that we can go and we can do stuff. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. In verse 5, it says, going back to verse 5, Uh, In this scripture, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If if any remain in me and I remain in them, they produce much fruit. But without me, they can do nothing. So in this same scripture in, in verse 16, it says that we will produce fruit. What fruit will we produce? I imagine it to be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Fruit of the Spirit. And when Jesus produces those things in us because he is the vine, how long does it last? It lasts for a good long time. And it says that whatever we ask for, in Jesus' name, the Father will give. That's just one verse. And I think about how much of the character of God we can miss if we don't look how much of our identity we miss if we don't ask him to show it to us, to reveal it to us. Jesus connecting us to the Father gives us connection to the God of the universe, redeems us to the God of the universe, gives us permission and the ability to ask for things To the father of the universe, the creator of the universe knows us. And he says, because of me, you can come right into the throne room. That's beautiful. Or handsome. Identity is something that if you're good and clear about it, it'll change you. Why? Because identity recognizes who God says that he is, but it, in order for us to have good, healthy, biblical identity, it also means that God is calling us to believe who he says that he is and rely on his promises. But how can you believe who he says he is and rely on his promises if you don't know him? If you don't know his character, why would you believe him? You don't know what you don't know, and there's surely grace for that. But I believe that's why God wants us to read the scripture. It's not just so that we can memorize it, but it's because he's going, hey, I want you to know me, and I want you to know what I say about you, and I want you to know what I have done and how consistent I've been so you'll believe me. He doesn't just want us to read the scripture to memorize some words, but he wants it to be a way for you to know him. I imagine that y'all have relationships with one another. Y'all are like friends and maybe more than friends or whatever. And the way that you get to know people is how? Spending time with them. By introducing them. Quality time. And quality time doesn't just look like, 
us sitting with God and talking to him, but also just sitting with God and being quiet so he can talk to us back. Right? Because that's what God desires for us. And he desires to use identifiers as a way to connect us with one another, as a way to empower us and equip us to love one another well, something that we don't always do a good job at. But when we focus on identifiers instead of on, on identity, we tend to emphasize, again, ways to relate to one another or understand ourselves, right? And those are good things, but like many good things, the enemy is, is a liar and a thief. He can pervert a good thing and cause us to stumble over it. And that's why what we see today are people going around waving their identifier flags and going, this is who I am. And really those things are not necessarily bad, but if it's not an identity of who God says that we are, or maybe just something that helps us understand ourselves or relate to one another, then it's not something that should be more important than our identity. Here's why, the, why I think that this is so important, okay? Uh, many of the things, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, many of the things that you don't like about yourself, or maybe that you do like about yourself, a perversion of that can be an identifier that is either overemphasized or minimized. And again, those things represent things about the character of God that you might not yet know. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll make it personal for you. Uh, so uh, growing up, my dad is an olive skin guy with green eyes. I know I look exactly like that. I'm sure that's exactly what you thought I was going to say. Uh, I grew up thinking my grandma's Polish with a thick Polish accent. And uh, growing up, I was told that my dad was Syrian and Polish. And uh, my mom is black and white. And I would tell people when they would say, hey, no, what's your background? I'm like, I'm Syrian to Polyakish. And they were like, what? And I was like, I'm Syrian to Polyakish. Uh, my dad is Syrian and Polish, and my mom is Scottish, Native American, and black, which makes me Syrian to Polyakish, right? Uh, and I really struggled with identity growing up because I am very chocolatey, and my dad is not. My dad is this olive-skinned guy with green eyes, so I spent my whole life going like, why are you my dad? He's for sure my dad, DNA. <laughs> we did the test, and we're positive. But I don't look anything like this man. Like, when I go to restaurants, people are like, who is this young girl with this old guy? I'm like, that's a hey, dad. And my mom said, uh, don't look at us weird people, right? And it was awkward. But it's because I look nothing like him, and I struggled and struggled and struggled with this growing up. Was not raised in a Christian household, so didn't have any context or any type of biblical anything, Bible not a thing. Uh, as you can imagine, with a Syrian Polyakish upbringing, culture was very fascinating in my house. Uh, and things were confusing. 
Add into that that I came from a broken home, so my parents were married and divorced two times because the first time was not painful enough. So also kind of carried that identity like, well, my parents are divorced and twice and cool. Uh, That's complicated. And uh, there was an addiction thing that happened, and so that was stressful. And I had all of these identifiers that I thought were a part of my identity, and I carried those things. And what you might not know about a classically trained actress or actor is that classically trained actors and actresses are literally taught to become or be the character who they are portraying. That's why so many actors go crazy. It's because they are literally taught to not just pretend to be a person, but to be a person. So imagine if you are playing a person who is a sociopath and you have been trained to be a sociopath. What happens to you? You go crazy because you've been trained to go crazy. So I have all these identity dynamics happening in my life. I moved to LA because I booked a TV show, was about to marry a Buddhist uh, and Then God told me to move to Texas, so I did, and didn't end up marrying the Buddhist. We broke up three days after I moved to Texas. My mentor at the time was this Christian lady. At the time, Jesus had been the savior of my life, but he was for sure not the Lord of my life, and I was like boohoo sobbing. "Ah, My world is over. Oh, my God. It's not ugly cry. It was a whole situation, and my mentor looked at me, and she said, you call yourself a Christian but you don't know anything about the God you profess to love. Now, mind you, as previously discussed, I am ugly crying. There is snot and tears. I am a whole situation. So naturally, my reaction was, why would you say that to me right now? Can't you see that I am on the insinuation? But it was true. I did call myself a Christian, but I did not know the character of God. And because I did not know the character of God, I did not know who God had made me to be. And because I did not know who God had made me to be, I could not live free. And this is what I want you to know tonight. That if you don't know the living God, there is a whole lot of freedom that you are missing out on. Band, you can come up. There's a whole lot of freedom that you are missing out on. And let me just tell you, healthy identity is freedom. Why? Because when you know who you are and whose you are, it doesn't so much matter what the world thinks of you. It doesn't matter what you think of you. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, I don't care what the world thinks of me, and I don't even care what I think of me. I only care what God thinks of me. And let me just tell you that right there, my friends, that's freedom. Because this world will eat you up and spit you out, and it will throw all kinds of identifiers at you, and it will tell you that who you are are all of these labels. And those labels are intended to connect you to other people, but most of the time in the world what those labels do is wear you down and wear you out and keep you in bondage and shame and in fear of being who God is really made you to be. So I would just like to say that tonight you have an invitation, my friends. You have an invitation to live free. You don't got to live like that. Jesus died so you don't have to live like that. I'm just saying, if you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're missing out on freedom. And today is a great day to get free.
Apparently, I'm the only one that thinks so, but that's all right. I'll keep going. Today is a good day to get free. And some of you, you already have accepted Christ, and that's good and great and well praise God, but just because you know Jesus, just because he is your Lord and Savior, that does not mean that you are walking in the freedom that he has given you. Because sometimes we decide that there are things we need to do before we can be. But that's not true either. We are not the things that we do. We do not get value or worth because of the roles that we play. Those are identifiers. We are who God says that we are. So because we are, we can. We don't do stuff to be. Because we are, we can. Because of what God has done in and through us, we get to live free. We get to be kingdom carriers. We get to affect change. And it's not for our own glory, but it's for his glory. And so, my friends, I just want you to live free. Live free. Embracing who God is and who God says that you are. Who does God say that he is? He says that he's Lord and Savior. That we were once sinners, but God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for our sins. So that if we believe that we are sinners and that he died for our sins, that we can be saved and we can have everlasting life. We can spend all of eternity with him. And who does that make us if he is Lord and Savior? <laughs> what Jesus said in John 15, 16, that we're chosen and appointed to be called into right relationship with the creator of the universe. And we get to do that. We get to be free because of Jesus. We get to live free because of the good work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We get to know God as he already knows us and has known us since before the beginning of time. If you've never accepted Christ and you would like to, I would love to talk to you. Come talk to me. I hope, my friends, that this is a night that you will walk away from going. If nothing else, if I don't remember anything else that that lady with the big hair said, it was that I always want to ask the question, who is God and who does God say that I am? Because he is the great I am. So every time we say I am, we also get an opportunity to talk about who he is. And we get to talk about who he is while also talking about who he's made us to be. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, God, that the work that you have done in the lives of your children is good. I thank you, Lord, that since before the beginning of time, you knew who we were. And you said that we were good. I thank you that even though we are broken, even though that we miss the mark, even though we sin and we sin against you and we do things that appall you, 
you say we are chosen and appointed for such a time as this to know you and have right relationship with you, God. I pray for us to have freedom, to be people who live free, who abide in you and you and us. I pray that you would do a good work in us and that the fruit that we bear would be fruit that lasts. I pray, God, that if there's someone here who hasn't accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that this would be the day that they decide to live free because you have chosen them. So I ask God that today would be the day that they say yes. Yes, God, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to live and be who you say that I am and walk in fullness and be who you say we are. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.